0: Hello and welcome to Board Game Famous, the board game podcast that we're surprised lasted a year. I'm your host, David, and I'm joined as always by my co host, Michael.
1: Howdy, howdy, and woo!
0: (laughs) Yeah, it truly is a cause for celebration.
1: Party popper noises.
0: (laughs) What do those noises sound? Just like.
1: Yeah, just a nice pop. (laughs) uh, Some confetti. Just. Flying in the background.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've been around. This is our 25th episode, but still, we uh, we managed to record enough episodes to release one pretty much every other fortnight. Missed, missed one or two here and there. Every fortnight. Oh, every, every fortnight. Other... Right. Every other week is a fortnight.
1: <laughs> every other fortnight would just be monthly. <laughs> just about.
0: <laughs> uh, well, after that... After that section, we start as always with, "Hey Michael, what you been playing?"
1: I have been playing a bunch of games, but the ones I want to talk about are games that I played while on vacation with my girlfriend. We were headed up to Baltimore from Charlotte, North Carolina, for a wedding, and on our way up, we stopped in D.C. to do touristy things. You know, went to museums, went to monuments, etc. But When we travel, we almost always stop at a place to play board games. And so I looked up a place for dinner, and it just so happened that around the corner from there was this board game bar. So before we were hungry for dinner because we had a big lunch, we uh, went in there for a couple games and a couple drinks. And I would say this place was more bar than board game like I've been to a lot of board game cafes and whatnot, but I'm always interested to see what kinds of games are in their library mm-hmm. in, in a scenario where I go to a board game cafe. I usually play games that are one, either simple, so I can just read the rule book and teach it immediately, or games that are already known. And so I, we ended up playing two games and that's what I'm going to talk about. Both of them are on the simpler side, one I had played before, which is King Domino. And that is, what is it, the 2017 Spiel der Jahres winner?
0: Ooh, that's probably right.
1: Yeah, it, yeah 2017 Spiel der Jahres winner, published by Blue Orange Games, and designed by Bruno Catala. So this game is, you know, you got King Domino and portmanteau of kingdom and domino. And so each player is trying to create the most valuable kingdom. And you have these dominoes that instead of having numbers on them, they have terrain types, and some of them might have have uh, crowns on them. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to match up as many terrain types to get like terrain types together and have crowns in it. And your score is just the number of tiles within a territory multiplied by the number of crowns. And I like this game is because there's, I think, what, six different resource types?
0: Something like that, yeah.
1: And you can't... It's not a good strategy to try to focus on all of them. You try to focus on a few of them. You have to build within a 5 by 5 grid. That's what you're limited to. You have to connect like territories to other territories just like in dominoes you have to connect like numbers to like numbers and one of my favorite things about it is you flip these tiles and you rank them from lowest value to highest value because you know they have a pretty good idea that these are going to be more valuable these territories will be more valuable than other territories and if you pick a less valuable domino on future rounds you get to pick first so it's it's like this nice balance of positioning. Oh, if I pick this one, then I can pick first for later rounds. So
0: yeah, it's I a really a- clever. It's a really clever mechanism, and I think that's what won at the Spiel de Yars.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it's really fun, quick and easy to play, super easy to teach. Um, I think we play this every single time we're home with our mother. That in Scrabble.
0: Yeah, just about. <laughs> she loves King Domino. Uh, so,
1: so it's, it's <laughs> classic. It's a classic. And then the other game I played, which I had never played before, which is Trekking the National Parks 2nd Edition, which is by Charlie Bink, published by Bink Inc. LLC.
0: Ooh, <laughs> self-published.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so this is a hand management movement game. So in this game, you have pawns that start... Uh, Closer to the eastern side of the United States, and you are traveling around the United States to different parks, and it's a race to try to claim uh, the most the most parks. And so, these the cards that you gather in this hand management have, I think, five different suits. And so, a park will say that you need two blue suits. And one red suit to be able to claim it. They actually have a theme on them. So there's like boots, tents, some like fire, and other stuff. But I just remember them based (laughs) on their color. Uh, (laughs) And the, the same cards that you use to claim the parks also have numbers on them. And that's how far you can use them to move. And you can use any combination of cards. And I think something that's interesting in this game is. Uh, so in kind of like in Ticket to Ride, there's like a weird, complex web of which parks are have connecting paths to other parks, mm-hmm. and um, when you move, you play those same resource cards that you would to claim a park as a mo- as a, like a movement action, and you have to move exactly no more no less the number that you play, and you can play any combination of cards, but you have to move exactly that many spaces. No more, no less, and you cannot go into the same space twice when you move. So you can't like run around in a circle to waste. So I think that was an interesting mechanic. One thing, you know, we, we played this two-player. I wouldn't recommend it. Two-player is probably better with four. It's more on the light family style, but it, it was it was fun. It was fun. So yeah,
0: I I actually used to own this game. It's been a while since I've played it, but the the ticket to ride routing like like you mentioned is what i remember most of it I, I do remember thinking wow this is very similar to ticket to ride uh, it's different it's different enough to be its own game yeah um, but like you said i i agree it doesn't work well too and that's that's who i played it most with is with ellen so i ended up getting rid of my copy
1: yeah i think it would be a like a fun family game that that you could play with uh with uh you know Middle, age, middle school, not middle age, middle school, <laughs> and older kids in the family, and and I think everybody would enjoy it. Maybe even, like, fourth or fifth grade.
0: Plus, oh. plus any game that's a uh, national park theme I can get behind.
1: Oh, absolutely. Love me some national parks. It, it does do a funny thing where the East Coast is shrink a little bit because most of the national parks are on... <laughs> are in the western united states oh so it's not
0: a geographically accurate map (laughs) it's
1: not a geographically accurate map (laughs) Uh, hashtag deep park the arch
0: (laughs) i was surprised to find how few states actually have national parks that's uh that's some research that i did recently i think it's like 29 states don't have national parks or it's the other way but still almost half the states don't have national parks
1: as a bit of a national park nerd, one thing that you can do is getting a, is get a national park passport and you can get a stamp at all the national parks. And sometimes more, sometimes they'll have a stamp for the national park and sometimes they'll have a stamp for a particular you know, thing that's in it. Like Yellowstone would have Old Faithful,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: like an Old Faithful stamp. But this system also has a bunch of stamps for... Things that are national par- not national parks, but are in the national park systems like national monuments or national historic battlefields. And while there aren't a lot of national parks in the East Coast, there are a lot of national monuments, a lot of national historic sites. So, Do you have a lot of stamps? No, no, I don't have any stamps, but, uh, but <laughs> Becca does.
0: <laughs> so we don't do the... Uh... We don't get the stamps in the passport, but we what we do is through uh, national parks, and I think some state parks do this. Is we get junior ranger badges, and uh, I remember it was at the Castle of Montezuma. Now, normally, junior ranger badges are for kids. It's just a kids program that they go through. Oh, learn about a little bit at the park, and then get a pretty cool little rangers badge that's specific for that park. There's no age limit on it and I think a lot of the park rangers are just happy that somebody knows that about this program, and Ellen and I do it. At Castle of Montezuma, the guy who ran that program was like, okay, I'll let you get a ranger badge, but you better get every single question on the quiz right <laughs> and send us off. It was really funny. He was double-checking our work. He, he quizzed us on some of the things afterwards. Like, yeah, he, he made us earn that junior ranger badge.
1: <laughs> yeah, when I get back to Arizona, I definitely want to go to that national monument
0: it's really good it's a really good one
1: all right enough off topic talking david what have you been playing
0: i have been playing one of my favorite games twilight imperium fourth edition i made i made a trek up to st louis i moved away recently but a lot of my game group is still lives there they didn't move with me and <laughs> i planned a whole day just to play twilight imperium and made a whole trip of it an event game like this demands demands a special a special gaming event. So what I did this time around was try and big it up, make it uh, make it a fun experience for all. And I bought a trophy for uh, I bought a trophy for whoever would win the game. It has a couple of shooting stars on it because it's you know it's space themed. I thought that was appropriate. And since we're all fighting over Mechatol Rex in the middle of the map, I said. Uh, I engraved the trophy with the Mechatol Best. (laughs) The winner was declared the Mechatol Best.
1: Which is a fantastic name.
0: (laughs) Now, Twilight Imperium is a 4X-style game where you're expanding your territory, exploiting the planets you control, exploring the planets that you control, and exterminating your opponents. That's what the 4Xs are. And you each play as different alien races with their unique abilities- Trying to conquer the galaxy, and the the expansion really leans into that that different alien races. It gives each alien race more individualism. You have more unique powers, and it also leans into the exploration mechanism, because each time you conquer a planet, you can now explore it and get a little mini event with the game. Um, now this game typically lasts all day. Uh, our, our group is pretty quick to play, and by pretty quick, I think we finished in six hours, six and a half hours, something like that.
1: And the, how big was and how big was it?
0: We, okay. we played with a, a complement of six players. I, I almost had a full complement, but the expansion does add two additional players, so you can play up to eight. I have played with seven before, never the full eight. Don't know if I. I don't know if I would. I probably would. I think in one of our episodes, we talked about games that we don't care if we win or not. And Twilight Imperium is one of those games I don't care if I win, which is good because I lost this most recent play. I didn't get the 3 Pete. I won the last two times I've played. And The reign when-
1: of terror is over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I shot myself in the front foot. Uh, Because I was smack talking before the game began talking about how I don't know why I even brought this trophy with me I've won the last two games. I'm pretty sure I'm guaranteed to take this home. Might as well pack it up now (laughs) And the uh, the galaxy didn't take kindly to that Twilight Imperium is one of those games that I Get into the theme. I always have a good time and every game. I walk away with a story You know, it's just it's an event game takes all day to play but you're around a table of good friends, a good game, and it's just a blast to play. This time I got to play an expansion faction, which was the Titans of Ol. They are a robot race. And it was... The story this game was about how an event card was played on me. During the agenda phase, you vote on laws, and a law was placed on me. Where I couldn't play any action cards for the remainder of the game, which is a huge disadvantage. I couldn't play any action cards ever. This this law that was enacted was called political censure. So I was wondering what kind of what kind of political censure they would give to a robot and what robot I would be because that's that's <laughs> what the race I was. So I decided that I was uh I was Richard Nixon from Futurama and his shiny new robot body. <laughs>
1: How many Richard Nixon impersonations did you do? (laughs) Oh, so
0: many. So many. It's time for Dickie to get tricky. (laughs) They were all exclusively Futurama quotes. But uh, when I started attacking people as the robots, it was just, and I sneak into people's houses at night and wreck up the place. (laughs) It was, it was a great time. And then it was just, amusing things kept happening to happening to me that kept the whole table laughing so even though i was really hampered really at a disadvantage i was still having a good time leaning into this character Uh, so i told you i couldn't play action cards for the entire game i spent a lot of time wheeling and dealing to get uh, a, a new expansion mechanism which is these relic shards or relic fragments and if you collect three of them, for an action, you can discard them to get a relic, which is a powerful card that gives you a one-time, really special ability. And the relic that I drew was, ooh, select action cards from the discard pile. Any three that you want. <laughs> so, ooh, great. Can't play them. Everybody was <laughs> laughing at Everybody was having a little bit of Freud right there. So later... I spent a good portion of the game researching up to the War Sun technology, which is the most powerful ship in the game, essentially a Death Star. And I finally got on the, onto the board, and people were quaking in their boots with my with my War Sun. And a new law came out that says, "Ooh, anybody with the War Sun technology at this point, only me, uh, has to discard all of their action cards." So <laughs> you're <laughs> <seemed> like, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> No, it was, it was just a great time. Uh, Nate and Andrew, two of our brothers, got to play. Um, so Nate, Andrew just moved to St. Louis. And so Nate and I drove up to stay with him, crash on his couch the night before. And then we went out and uh, the next day we went and played Twilight Imperium with a few of my friends in in St. Louis. And it was just, just a really fun time. Uh, at this point, I, I'm not going to talk about the games that we played, but I do want to give a shout-out to Andrew and Nate and their... Uh, their gaming stamina we spent like i said six and a half hours playing a single game and after we got back to our andrew's apartment andrew said what games do you guys want to play now so we ended up playing a little bit of love letter and dixit so it wasn't the only game we played that day
1: at least those other two are on the wider
0: side that's true that's true and now it's time for our on again off again segment the road to the 100 where we talk about our experiences playing games on the top 100 and on the top 100 on board game geek and this uh, this fortnight i'd like to talk about architects of the west kingdom designed by shem Phillips and published by garfield games i had a chance to play this at a at the local board game night in springfield Shoutouts to four one seven gamers. I think I gotta give them a shout out now that they're tagging us in their Instagram posts.
1: You shouted them out in the last episode, but please keep shouting them out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep doing that as long as they keep tagging us. Get that exposure, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah, so one of the one of the guys there has I think every single Shem Phillips Game from these series, and by these series I mean there's the North Seas series trilogy and the West Kingdom trilogy, and Architects is very well regarded and is in the top 100. And it's it's old enough to be in the top 100 of my list, and it's still in the top 100 to this day. Um, it is a worker placement style, and I would argue that this is the most worker placement game a game could be, because you have 20 workers. And every single turn, you put one out on the board. And then it comes around to you, and you put another one out on the board. And every space pretty much has unlimited number of workers that can go there. And the trick behind this game is the more workers you place in a specific spot, the better that action is for you. So I can send a worker out to the quarry to get one stone. And the next time I get th- go there, I get two stone. And then three. And then so on and so on. While it's building up and up until I have too many workers there and somebody sends their worker to City Hall and arrests all of them and pulls them to their player board. And it's a very interactive, very interesting design uh, where you are putting your workers out, building up power in your actions, capturing other people's workers, sending them to jail for money, releasing your workers from jail... And it, it all works together in a very unique way. It's not the kind of game that you can really sit down and discuss in a podcast without seeing it. Just know that it is the most worker placement a game can be.
1: <laughs> I think most worker placements that people have played, you have, what, four to eight workers?
0: Something like that, yeah. nothing, and, no, too, Not much more than that.
1: And they typically work in the fashion of, you have a placement round, and then you have an action round, and that kind of stuff. And then you uh, retrieve all your workers, and you do it all again. But this, I like the way this works, because there's no cleanup phase that happens for everyone at the same time.
0: That's true. You're, That's true. If you, you never recall your workers back. If you want your workers back, you rescue them from jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: It has a couple other mechanics. I really like. Um, was it like the morality system? That's on the, the the
0: virtue track. They yes, are, the
1: virtue track on the left side of the board.
0: There are actions that are considered unvirtuous, in so, uh, invirtuous. They are considered bad. They're considered naughty. How about that? I think that works better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where you can send your worker to the black market and you lose virtue, and I think. I think what you're trying to collectively work towards is build the cathedral, some kind of some kind of religious building. And if you send your workers to the naughty actions too many times, you're not allowed to contribute to this cathedral and contributing to the cathedral is a great way to get points or build buildings is a great way to get points. And
1: then you have what like cra- local craftsmen or other tradesmen that you can hire that help you know, boost your actions at the different locations throughout the town. Am I correct by that?
0: Yes, you are. It sounds like you've you've played this game, but a little while ago. But you're remembering it just right. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That I think that's an, another neat thing is uh, is you can hire. Let's say like, there is you know you mentioned the quarry beforehand that you get a, a stone for every single worker that's there um like you could hire somebody that would give you an additional stone it just mm-hmm. you get that plus 1 always as an example
0: it is a mechanism wonderland exploring this game just seeing how all the gears interlock together how all the mechanisms work together and i was surprised to find that i did not like this game very much uh the the time i played it i've only played it the one time and I've really, really thought about this game for a while. It's been, it's been kicking around for a week or two in my brain. Uh, and I discussed with the person that I played it with, and I think we need to try it again at a lower player count. So I think uh, playing at five, the maximum player count, was a bit of a hindrance. But I was, I was really surprised to find that you know I didn't care for it, kind of bordering on didn't like this game, but. I can understand why it's in the top 100. Mechanisms are all sound. It all works together really well, and it's very thought-provoking while you play. But I think the reason I don't like it is I'm a very kind player. I'm a Care Bear. I want everybody at the table to have a good time. So because of that, I never want to do something bad against somebody.
1: So you don't like capturing other people's meeples is what you're trying to say
0: which is a core component of that game. And and another problem I have with that is every time you put a person down, you're making that action better. So why should I bother going to that crappy action when I've got a cool superpowered action over there? I've got 3 guys there. Let me go let me go place another meeple there. Oh, somebody arrested all of my workers. Well, now where I go, they're all they're all pretty crappy actions now. And I just, I didn't like that feeling of somebody took something away from me, now all I have are bad options. And it's a little bit of a grind to build up enough meeples in a specific action to make it good. But
1: I, I, I on the other hand, like that a lot. I like the, the balance of the, oh, hey, I don't want to put too many eggs in a basket.
0: You know, or... I, tr- I tried that at first. I tried circling my meeples around several actions so people wouldn't arrest me. I was hoping other others would focus on a single action, and I don't know. I think this is just the. I think this game just goes against what I like to do at the table, and or or the feelings I like to experience at a table. So, it's the ooh. I have to capture people. I have to explicitly attack them because that's too good for them. I got to stop them from doing that. Or somebody's did that for me and now I just have bad options around the board. What I'm trying to say is, this game hurt my feelings.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, the things you're describing are the things that I like about it. So. <laughs> right, right.
0: Like I said, it's not it's not a problem with the game. It's not a bad game. It is just not for me.
1: And our next section is Brother Talk. And for this Fortnite, we're talking about A year to remember. Ah,
0: what a time.
1: (laughs) What a time. We look back about what it's like been podcasting for a year.
0: And things that have changed. Our best game experiences, really just a look back.
1: Yeah. Now that we are podcasters, (laughs) whenever I walk into a random board game store, I was like, hi, I'm Michael. I'm a podcaster. In this past year... Well, more than a year ago, you messaged me.
0: It's uh, true. We, we we recorded for like six months and had a backlog.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I believe, yeah, yeah. Our, our first episode didn't come out for months before. <laughs> oh Yeah, months months before. But you messaged me asking if I wanted to do the podcast. I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how much enthusiasm I talk with in real life. <laughs> so, one, I hope I've gotten better at my editing skills. You guys can tell me. <laughs> but I think something that I've really enjoyed that has changed in the past year is I still enjoy board games as much as I used to. Like, So doing more board gaming content, more stuff on board gaming has not taken away any love of mine for for board that's good. gaming that's good but but the one thing is i have started to look at board gaming in a more critical light for every single game that i play, just because you know what if i talk about it on the podcast how am i going to talk about it on the podcast uh kind of thing and that the it was you know before i'd be like oh i play a game why don't i like this game so instead of just being like, I don't like this game; I didn't have fun with it. But now I'm just like, but why? You know, we we, we talked about in this last game. It's like I didn't uh, this past game. You didn't like Architects of the Western Kingdom because you had to be mean, and you don't typically like being mean in board games. <laughs> 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 and it's just looking at games in a critical light.
0: Yeah, I I think it's also sharpened my my eye on certain games. Uh, it's also given me a chance to find avenues for gaming i started this uh I, I messaged you and i know i've given many reasons over the course of this podcast as to why i wanted to start but really it was during covid lockdowns when this started and I just wasn't playing as many games as before. So I was like, "What? Well, well, my board gaming outlet has to go somewhere. I know somebody who's at least vaguely interested in board games. I'm
1: more than vaguely interested, but that's a fair... <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. To... I, I apologize.
0: <laughs> I apologize. So I started like that. But it also it, it made me seek out other avenues for games. I was like, I need to play games for content. So we played games online throughout this last year. We've done... I've reached out to more people i'm i'm not nearly as extroverted as you but uh i've i've gotten I've, this wallflower's blossoming what can i say yeah.
1: <laughs> i think it's a it's a pretty funny statement to say that i'm the more extroverted
0: one <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it is true but the only reason i it doesn't seem like that is because once we uh, once we get on board games i don't shut up <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, you you're, you're like that one guy who can just never shuts up about trains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> have you heard you know about 18XX games? I bet that guy and I would have a lot to talk about.
1: <laughs> oh, oh uh, I've, I've definitely definitely sought out board games in a different way before. Like, you know, I'll just message somebody's like, "Hey, I want to talk about this." This game on the podcast, but I haven't played it recently. Can you bring it so I can play it again? Because I had such fond memories of it, but I don't want to just BS my way through it. <laughs> so that's always fun.
0: Mm-hmm. This has been a big year for me. I'm working from home full time now. I moved, moved, moved cities within this last year of podcasting. And, and most
1: importantly, I'm about to be an uncle.
0: I can't believe you jumped the gun and you got to make the announcement. <laughs> What a what a rude podcast co-host! <laughs> yeah, we're I'm about to have uh, I'm about to have my first kid. Ellen and I are about to become parents, and uh, so I guess this is a good time as any to say I'm glad I got a year of podcasting in before I go uh, before you get a new host or a new. Or, I'm sorry, I, I should rephrase that. Are you becoming the host and somebody else is the co-host, or are you replacing the host?
1: Uh, I'll be the host and uh, friend of the podcast, Jesse will be the co-host while you're on paternity leave.
0: Right. So, I don't, I don't know how long I don't know how long it's going to be, but I'll still be involved. I'll, I'll edit the podcasts.
1: Yeah, we're going to create some uh, some fun flair. I think Jesse is my longest board gaming friend since I have moved to Charlotte. So, he and I have been playing board games for about 5 years and we have our own interesting perspective and we often play board games together which will help us be able to talk about the same <laughs> the same games <laughs> that's true
0: living living half a country apart does make it difficult to talk about games like oh i've i've not played that one before oh okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> i yeah, think so. i think most board game podcasts do focus on a, a group of people that all played the same game and then them critically analyzing it and then you t- talk about games i like oh you talked about uh what was it, Dominant Species? It's on the road to the 100, and I'm not there yet. I haven't never played it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've played it
1: several times.
0: <laughs> I'm, hoping, I'm hoping to catch up with you with certain games. Um, so I have talked about moving this this year. I, I'm getting a new game group. And the 417 Gamers, have shouted them out. I'll shout them out again. Why not? Shout out to 417 Gamers. They are a very friendly game group. I went last, last week... And I really felt like I belonged there at that point, because when I walked in, I think every single table, I I walked in late because, you know, it's fashionably late and I like to be fashionable. Uh, I think every single table that was set up with a game had somebody was like, oh, hey, David, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? I was like, oh, man, it really, really felt a welcoming there. Just a really fun, really fun group.
1: I think the biggest disappointment for this past year in board gaming for me, though, is I still haven't finished Gloomhaven. I <laughs> I believe I talked about it in the very first episode. <laughs> and here we are.
0: Did you did you say you were close in the first episode? <laughs> I think you I had said you were back, like I'd
1: have to go back and re-listen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you're still playing. You're still playing regularly.
1: We're still we're still playing me regularly we haven't played for a few weeks we may be playing in a couple days we i think we've unlocked the last series of missions or something like that to officially complete it or whatever i don't I know think it,
0: i think it would be hilarious if i finished gloomhaven before you <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, to be fair if you finish gloomhaven in under four years you'll finish gloomhaven faster than we
0: did
1: <laughs> my my uh, board gaming group started gloomhaven i believe the fall of 2018 Mm -hmm. and it's 2022 so (laughs) So. (laughs) hey
0: that is just that is just a compliment (laughs) to the amount of content you get in that game you get so much stuff in gloomhaven
1: it is it is it is a lot of game we have just been playing off and on for four years (laughs) don't ask me what the story is except for i think the final boss i mean Spoilers. You no, well, don't spoil it. I'm not there yet. I think the final boss is called the Gloom.
0: I'm not sure. Okay, that's not that's not really a spoiler. I don't I think it is. At least,
1: I, I don't. I
0: just don't know <laughs> like, <I> can't <laughs> anything about the story. So, <laughs> oh. uh, the most disappointing thing for me this year was playing voices in my head. Man. <laughs> I can't. I, that is by far the worst game I played this year.
1: This may be the third straight podcast we've talked about voices. in my head. <laughs> It has such a bad taste in my
0: mouth. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. I want to be. I want to be a positive voice.
1: That that that'd be like me talking about how I don't like uh, Blood Rage every single episode. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're like oh i haven't talked about it yet this episode as we're signing off ah, bye i'm michael devoss i hate blood rage <laughs>
1: but i mean to be fair one of the best board gaming experiences i have had in the past year is playing onk by the same designer right so i think that is a superior game in many fashions uh did it need the high production quality eh, is it really nice oh absolutely absolutely i, I uh I love that game and I would love to play it more, but there's also a lot of board games I do want to play again, so <laughs> or yeah, yeah, as much as I like playing the same game over and over and over again, I there's so many good board games I just want to play.
0: That's that's the problem with board gaming, you can never play them all.
1: Yeah. And I think at least Onk is such a good game that people who will play it a lot will at least appreciate the production value. Because, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to they're get their money's worth.
0: So what have been uh, some of the biggest challenges you faced this year with, uh, with the podcast? I
1: mean, it's just been interesting. In the past year, things have been opening up more and more. So conventions that previously haven't happened are happening again. Uh, people are meeting in person again events are happening, concerts are happening, so life is getting busier and busier. So, like you said, you one of the reasons you want to start this podcast is because of the pandemic, being at home, and not having a lot of avenues to express your love for board gaming. Well, now we can do whatever the hell we want again.
0: <laughs> <of>.
1: <laughs> That's a little bit of hyperbole, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just at the same time as we're ramping up the podcast, we have to find time to make the podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i i didn't realize how long editing a podcast took when i was like let's do this (laughs) it'll be a breeze (laughs) let's just sit down and talk about board games for about an hour and then edit for five hours afterwards yeah i don't edit for five hours yeah that was also a bit of hyperbole
1: (laughs) the first episode definitely the first episode i edited definitely took a long
0: long time because i had no idea what i was no idea what i was doing We've gotten better, both as, like, actually editing, but also staying on topic.
1: (laughs) Making cohesive statements. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I
0: feel like I've gotten better at it. Uh, I don't know if I've gotten better at actually recording an episode, mostly because of the equipment limitations that we've had. But I think think going forward, I might start our Patreon up. Maybe we can start plugging that at the uh, end of the episode.
1: It's been a while since mom's given us money, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mom, can you give us money for our podcast? (laughs) No, you're grown men. (laughs) I I, kind of want her to be patron number one. (laughs) (laughs) That would would be funny.
1: (laughs) That way we can invest in better equipment and better utilities and whatnot.
0: That's true. That's true. I want to invest. Get you a nice microphone. Get me a better podcast. Get a, get a, get me a better uh, audio auditing software.
1: Yeah, I mean Audacity is good, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. What's something you're looking forward to the next year?
1: Well, I want to go to a board game convention the next year, but it just so happens that the one that I go uh, to normally is the same weekend that. My girlfriend and I are going to Chicago, so <laughs> so we'll figure out about that. I really love board game conventions, so maybe I'll just have to go to a random one in a random city, <laughs> because there's nothing like just showing up and playing a bunch of games you've never played before, and some games that you have played before, with usually super nice strangers who are just excited to play board games as you
0: are. Yeah. So
1: how about you? What are you most excited for the next year?
0: new games always new games the the new gaming group i'm a part of 417 gamers uh (laughs) shout out (laughs) uh they i haven't bought a new game since i moved here because of the amount of different games i'm now being exposed to just because everybody has a different collection and i'm getting to try so many different new games and i'm i'm excited to keep trying new ones just keep keep trying new ones I'm excited for the games that are coming out next year, and the year after that, and the ones that came before that I haven't played yet. Just next, next game, please.
1: Now, one of the segments that we do is the Road to the 100. How many have you gotten marked off currently?
0: Ooh. Let's take a brief intermission to count them. So, of the top 100... I have currently played 56 of them. In the last year, I've probably played 10 or so, which is pretty good for me.
1: Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Would you? How many would you say that you would want to play in the next year? Or realistically? Um,
0: 44. <laughs> oh, realistically. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to play at least a few. I've got a hookup for Battlestar Galactica. We're trying to schedule a game together for that one. I'm looking forward to playing that one. There are a few in there that I don't know when I'll get a chance to play. For example, Kingdom Death Monster is in the top 100, and we've never talked about that one because it is a grotesque horror monster fighter kind of thing. And by the time by by what I mean with grotesque is I think one of the monsters is like a phoenix with arms coming out of its butt. (laughs) It's it is the kind of the kind of game we can't talk about on this show without marking this podcast as explicit
1: <laughs> if we have to do that for one episode let me know <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm looking forward to trying to play as many as i can um i've got a i've got a line on several of them because i've got the uh the board game arena premium account so i want to play a few of those online in the next few weeks even actually
1: just let me know yeah. and our listeners
0: yeah join our discord play with us <laughs> Yeah, I think that's another thing I'm looking forward to is I've, I've really been enjoying getting to know people on our Discord and doing GameGuster and just chatting back and forth with a few of our listeners on there. I think that's been, probably been the, the most fulfilling part of this podcast.
1: gaming's all about people. It's
0: Wargaming's all about people. all about people. Well, Michael, I've been asking you a ton of questions, so I think it's time to move on to our next section, which is mail time! And this question, this Fortnite's question comes from, well, me. I had another question that I wanted to ask you, so I figured we might as well transition into it. And the question I have for you is, do you feel board game famous? No. (laughs) (laughs) I figured that would be your answer, so I had a follow-up question. (laughs) And my follow-up question is, what would you consider being board game famous means what, what do you think we need to do for, to achieve that
1: <laughs> so it's actually really funny as compared to a bunch of other hobbies I feel like the famous personalities within the board game community are very very less famous as compared to the personalities in other communities for example Dungeons and Dragons everybody knows Matt Mercer or Matt Mercer is well known Matt Mercer started – Matt Mercer and friends started Critical Role. Oh, famous, okay. Yeah, the, the famous D&D life plays or whatever. Yeah. Where, where people just follow along. and So if, if you play D&D with other people, other people will probably know who Matt Mercer is. It is interesting to me that I play board games with a lot of people and they don't really know Dice Tower. They don't really know Shut Up and Sit Down. They don't really know, no pun included. They don't know Randy. So,
0: <laughs> but, do, but do they know Board Game Famous?
1: <laughs> Not really. <laughs>
0: oh, come on, man. How about that self-promotion?
1: <laughs> I mean, my friends know about it, and a lot of people I play with, because I do mention that I'm I – uh, I, I do say that I, uh, I'm a podcaster. I don't <laughs> want <podcast>. to brag. But <laughs> <laughs> so the, if the question is, what would I consider Board Game Famous is, would I get recognized at a con – Just random comment. Say I were were to go to Geekway to the West over the entire weekend of three, four days, three days?
0: Four days, yeah. uh,
1: Over the entire weekend of four days, if one person recognized me that I didn't already know, I would consider that board game famous.
0: (laughs) I love that that's that's the example you have because let me tell you a story this was this was the most board game famous I've ever felt so we do a podcast so I wouldn't expect them to actually recognize us because it's not really a, a visual thing unless we put the video up somewhere and good Lord the jump cuts in that video <laughs> uh, but if they recognized our 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 uh, logo our our brand essentially and, I was walking through Geekway wearing my Board Game Famous t-shirt, and somebody pointed up at me and went, (gasps) and pointed right at me, and I was so excited to talk to somebody about Board Game Famous. I was like, you heard of us. I'm I'm so glad. I've made it. We've made it, Michael. We're officially Board Game Famous. No, I was just walking in front of the uh, projector that was showing the schedule at that exact moment, (laughs) (laughs) and he was excited to see what event was coming up. Oh... For, for a brief moment, I thought we had achieved it in one year.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was at Geekway, and we love Stonemeyer games for the most part. We like most of the games that, that that company puts out. I was apparently playing a game at Geekway right next to Jamie... It had no idea who the hell he was. Jamie Stegmeier was playing. Of Stonemaier Games was playing a game right next to me. No idea who he was. No idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is true. the The famous people in this <laughs> hobby have a certain amount of anon anon, anon anonymity. An anonymity. Seeing enemies. Uh, <laughs> they they have a certain amount of unknownness in the world. I think that was one of my favorite questions in my interview with uh, Isaac Childress because. As the designer of the number one game on Board Game Geek, he has a certain amount of board game fame. And I asked him about it, and he said, it's the perfect type of being famous, where no one knows who you are.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, even the designer of the top-rated game doesn't get recognized. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, what would it take? Just one person at a random convention being like, hey...
0: Who is is not friends or family.
1: Who is (laughs) not friends or family. Uh, Apparently a lot of our listeners are from Houston, Texas. I don't know if that's a a glitch. (laughs) I don't think it
0: is. I think a game group in Texas found out who we are. Shout out to that listening group in Texas.
1: (laughs) So maybe if there is a Game Con in Houston, Texas, we should go. (laughs) Wear our t-shirts and see if we get recognized.
0: (laughs) If you're listening from Texas, send us an email right now, and we may show up. Michael might show up. I'm about to be a dad.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, let me look in the Texas region for upcoming uh, board game podcasts.
0: For upcoming board game conventions?
1: Uh, There was one in April. Yeah, uh, upcoming board game conventions. Yeah, there was one in April, and there's one in Dallas later, but I don't know. if People will go to Dallas. Dallas. For board games mm-hmm. from houston i don't know how texas works i've never been
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i've actually ever told like talked about this on the podcast itself but the we title our episodes with steps and the reason i do that is we are chronicling the steps we are currently taking to become board game famous and if ideally we do become board game famous you can follow our episode step by step And you too can become board game famous.
1: (laughs) You might be able to do it more efficiently. You might speed run. (laughs) Speed run the steps.
0: (laughs) You might be able to skip a couple. Like, you don't have to interview our mom specifically.
1: (laughs) That would be funny, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, they did it. We have to do it, too.
1: I mean, this is step 25, so...
0: (laughs) it is it is an elaborate plan
1: (laughs) so here's the plan
0: (laughs) so thank you for listening to our one year special episode on this podcast if you have any questions or comments please reach out to us at boardgamefamous at gmail.com or you can message us on just discord and join it by using the link below you can also follow us on Instagram using the link below. Until next fortnight. Bye-bye now. Bye.